0: Hello and welcome back to Somebody Call a Doctor. Um, so our second guest today, and we'll split this into two episodes for the, for the podcast itself, but this is Eduardo Prado Cardoso, um, who's a PhD student at Católica Lisboa as well. Um, he was a script writer in Brazil and studied cinema. Eduardo is interested in how news and visual storytelling create a narrative of crimes, um, especially violent crimes, and how this representation can be sensationalized in the media and on our social media networks. So welcome, Eduardo. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your project overall and just kick us off. OK, so my project um, was born out of this um, intent to understand a little bit more about social media and violence. But from this perspective of um, references that culture um, ingrain in our culture, uh, in our day-to-day life. So for example, videos on YouTube, um, and how this desire to share violence in a very specific way, like what themes, what uh, stories of violence we share and we promote. Um, so I'm really interested in how social media, um, in a way, uh, promotes some kind of agency, and um, in a way even uh, some kind of democracy of you know, producing stuff, but at the same time it um, revolves around certain traditions of violence. So specifically in Brazil, Um, For example, referencing films, telenovelas, uh, you know, news from the press and all of that. So I'm interested in seeing what's new on social media in terms of representing violence. Interesting. Um,
0: So can you describe the cycle of how a violent crime is digitized, is put on to some sort of platform, and then maybe it might influence other crimes, for example? What, What does that cycle look like?
1: Yeah, so, well, first, uh, since my background is in film, I was also interested in... Um, the film culture in Brazil is not as strong as in the US, for example. Like We have some cycles, we have some traditions, of course, but uh, one thing that a lot of people think of Brazilian films, for example, is the favela films, right? So, so films that dealt with violence and, and that portrayed violence in, in a very specific way, very entertaining, for example, some of them at least. And um, so this specific tradition, for example how this turns up into a reference for a crime, which is one of the cases that I analyzed. There was this kidnapping in 2019 of this guy that uh, he hijacked a bus in in a bridge in Rio, in Rio de Janeiro. And then what he was uh, referencing was a crime, but also he was referencing a film about the crime. So the circulation for me was really intriguing. Like, why would you, well, first, commit the crime, let's not get into the psychological of it, but why would you, you know, put yourself in this position of um, copycatting, you know, this type of dangerous uh, act, you know? I was fascinated about uh, not only wanting to be uh, on the spotlight because of this, but also um, maybe... For some people, it's the only chance to be seen, to be heard, or to be um, networking somehow. Like, we we find it so important to have a profile, like a a public, you know, persona, that um, violent characters also represent this kind of uh, chance for some people.
0: The the story that comes to mind when I I hear this, uh, when I, my first album that I got ever, was Outcast. There's a dual album, the speaker box, what's it called?
1: Lover box? Yeah, yeah. Speaker box. Speaker box, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, perfect. Um, So I brought it home, and my mom was (laughs) just, you know, my mom. And and so she made me, I don't know if she made me do this, but she was upset, and so my dad and I kind of brainstormed, and we said, if we go and censor out some of the songs that might have, like, harsh messages in it, And take the smoking gun on the cover and literally draw a little rabbit and like glue it to the cover (laughs) i still have this album actually and then she was fine you know like we took out some of the references to violent crimes and and we see that same conversation in video games she's like oh why can't it be you know bunnies eating carrots instead of um and I, i see a lot of i don't know if i've really thought about that as deeply until this conversation so do you see a connection between just kind of this passive representation of violence and violent crimes being
1: a part of our society this is very interesting because when uh, so there's a tradition also of uh, studies about violence that they got past you know like the idea that we're so passive we're so passive towards what we consume in terms of violence and then we, we replicate video games are a really good example right um, so there is let's say uh, um, a strand that actually uh, was called magic bullet theory, you know, like uh, as if the way that the bullet comes into the audience is what determines how we uh, are affected by crime, which is, well, uh, is much more complex than that, of course. What I see in my cases is this circulation, and and then after that, there was uh, this trend more into cultural criminology that talks about spirals and loops in culture that, um, in a day where you, you, so if you received, for example, like one video showing a beheading, whatever, first, you need to uh, understand if that feels real to you. Is that a, a real video? Is that a fake video? This is one point. After that, how does that reflect on how you now perceive beheadings? Since I hope never, uh, you never witnessed something like that, right? So the idea that loops and, and spirals, are somehow even replacing what is reality. It's what we live now. That's what I believe. So instead of the very passive action of, okay, that affects me, and then I am uh, suddenly a murderer, it's very simplistic. Because what what actually happens is that our subjectivity is shaped, of course, but also we respond very actively to that. As in, for example, the the example that I gave, one of my cases is about criminals uh, recording themselves inside a prison, right which is a place that we don't see self represented for obvious reasons. but now we do. You can go online and find uh, videos at, you know from uh, inmates and and then there's the question of why is this allowed first, but also um, what is our own, the general public perception of a prisoner's self-representation? Do we have those on film? Do we have those on art? Do we have those on whatever? In literature, how are those, you know? So coming back to the favela movies, a lot of them were made by, I don't know, privileged white men in Brazil. So And that's fair, that's important. But that was never also fully um, nuanced, let's say. And that also happens to any kind of representation. So in the case of um, criminal content, it's important that we understand why the platforms allow it and uh, their intent. But also um, what is happening is this kind of crazy and fast circulation that is blurring a little bit, you know, who produces and who receives events. So it's very complicated. I think when it comes to parental advisory, for example, like you, you mentioned in the case of the CD, I think this is slowly changing into okay. It's not only about having access to um, this kind of content, but also engaging in some kind of conversation about it. You know, it's it's a little bit more um, effective, I would say, instead of I don't know, prohibiting or censoring stuff. We need to know that a war is happening now. You know, like beheadings are happening in in that prison. Instead of simply I remember one case, um, I think it was a terrorist attack in, I don't remember if it was Germany or France, and it was happening live because I saw it on Twitter, and the videos that were being uploaded, I was not even asking to watch them, and they were like popping up, you know, like, this kind of, you know, immediacy of uh, violence in, in media should be discussed, because then it's not mediated by our conversation you know is simply showing you some extreme and explicit and graphic content i think that's really problematic yeah
0: yeah it's the the, what these platforms these storytelling platforms are awarded for doing is giving you something that is sensational that is something that would keep you engaged in a way that nobody else can right and so it's in some way it's trying to be a filter of finding you the most interesting content for whatever your passion is or whatever your interests are, but it's also at the same time like filtering down to the most extreme or the most engaging version of the war or the most engaging version of the bad, like whatever had just happened that could be sensationalized.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of the reasons why I started this research was because first i was uh, a horror movies fan you know i was i loved the scream franchise and all that for some reason that was not only thrilling but there was a connection to understanding violence you know like it's it's fantasy and it's uh, fiction but it's also one type of connection with violence right and then i went through this really bad episode of violence in my family where um there was an invasion in my house and we were being chased by criminals and um and then i associated this to the film and i was like so that's comp- that cannot be depicted you know that type of feeling of being like really close to death and um trying to give meaning to such a trauma you know and then i was fascinated about like how culture needs those types you know the the detective stories it needs the horror films it needs all of those to actually give meaning to stuff that we can't in the day-to-day life or that we should process in in maybe different ways rather than simply attributing to films this responsibility also you know
0: hmm. yeah there's if you just if you just try and filter it out to just the positive things there's you're not prepared for those situations as well just like the dreams conversation that we had with linda in the last one um we have these representations of violence now in the digital form. Um, it seems like maybe that's new compared to our parents' generation, the generation before. Uh, but before that, there were images of war, there were public beheadings, there were um, you know, guillotine. Like that was a part of the culture, and it was celebrated in some sense. How does that look compared to now?
1: Yeah, this is really interesting because I'm now in the historical, you know. Um, the actual historical research before I get into my current, you know, contemporary uh, case studies. And what I found, for example, in Brazil is that the first um, films ever, like in the beginning of the 20th century, they were literally about crimes. They were about like those gory uh, cases that everybody was, I don't know, excited about, you know, like either in the news, but then they were doing films as well. I was like, So this is in the very um, origin of cinema, you know, the spectacle. We want to know about the exceptional. I think crime has this dimension of the exceptional. We, We want to... So if you receive, like, on WhatsApp, something that is horrible, you want to know more, there's something psychological about that, you know. Whilst if you receive an email about your supervisor saying, ah, I, I don't know, well, well maybe them, that's horrible, I don't know, <laughs> depending on the context. <laughs> but something maybe trivial, it's, it's okay, and you don't want to know more. Um, but how they compare? I think one of the aspects that I, I examine is um, this, well, first, the platforms, they play on the myth of neutrality, right, so that They're not agents of information or news. They're just there for us to explore, which is a myth because, of course, they censor, they filter, you know, like um, they decide all of stuff, but they make it so that we um, accept, you know, this, they normalize it in our lives. And that's really dangerous because then the fact that we create stuff or we upload stuff, thinking that there's no consequences to that, um, is slowly changing, of course, and Europe... It's kind of trying to you know get into some rules that elsewhere are not I mean even in, in uh, if you get into politics in the u s and all discussion you know about the um, the law system how it needs to act upon you know the internet regulation is is needed and I don't want to sound like um, like a censor and I know in the u s in particular this is very sensitive uh, But at the same time, we cannot act as if it's unimportant because it affects, you know. Imagine children looking into um, those videos of beheadings. I mean, it shouldn't be normalized, in my opinion. Uh, But when it comes to, uh, going back to your question, I think this idea of, you know, neutrality, but also... um, the idea that we can produce and and consume in a different way like um, networked you know like as in a big and gigantic cloud as if we have no mediation is also really weird because we are using screens still we are using technology but we were made to think that it's we don't store this you know it's it's also a different dimension i feel like the modern traditions, they were really into the apparatus. Like, you have the screen, you have the presence of something. And now it's getting into a gray zone, I don't know, which is also complicated in in those ethic limits, you know.
0: I'm trying to understand what the ideal looks like. I mean, I'm thinking back to the conversation about dreams, about nature, if we're we're living in the forest as primitive humans and we're seeing, I don't know, a, a, a lion eat eat a gazelle Um, like that's a useful trauma to witness almost because we start to understand oh I should be scared of lions (laughs) Um, or that's how you kill a gazelle or whatever whatever it is so what is what do you what part do you think violence and representations of violence can play in a like productively in society but what's the limit as well
1: I think uh, referring to the spectacle that I said one of the first films if I'm not mistaken like ever produced was about this you can look into on, uh, on YouTube is uh, it shows an elephant being electrocuted like that that was spectacle <laughs> at the time a very circus type of you know um, manifestation that people were uh, excited about so that would play into okay we need those moments of exception right I'm giving this very trivial example, but if we transfer to um uh, the war or, you know, like uh, crime in general. um, Of course, we need to deal with that. I just don't think we need to deal with that through representation necessarily. So we already have a tradition of, you know, uh, film and fiction and and visuality that shows violence. We cannot deny this or uh, imagine... With the discussion of the war, like banning Russian literature or whatever, I I don't think that's ever the the um, the way to go, you know, like banning. But we need to strengthen maybe um, the discussion about it. I I don't think it can be so simplistic as in. Um, yeah, let's make it so so that people can upload anything on on the internet. I think that that's the key, like how how to. Um, how to maybe filter more and block more this type of content, for example, one of the cases that i that I study is still online, but it's still online f- because of a third party and who's profiting on that is not of course it's not the inmate that are recording himself it's a supposed journalist, a very sm- small journalist, and then we can talk about also like how journalism has been changing and adapting to those times um, but also giving views and money to the platform <laughs> so if we don't don't talk about this structure, then it doesn't make sense to to think of how you know emotionally attached to violence you are we need to talk about the structure in a way so that uh, first people see the structure because since there's it's so normalized and people wake up and check their phone and maybe check you know um, a crime that is happening elsewhere, with this type of normality, then they probably replicate violence. You know, um, so yeah, I think my research is going into a direction of showing, you know, some structures that some, somehow are invisible sometimes uh, in Brazilian culture, in in uh, more specifically, but that we can relate. I can relate. I mean, I I consume this type of content not only because of the research, but like I told you, because I'm, I'm online. If you're online, you're kind of, depending on the profile that you have, you might be targeted and you might be receiving this content and maybe replicating.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've mean, i definitely had a few times where I'm, I received content that I definitely didn't want to receive. <laughs> um, just on, on Reddit or whatever it is that just brings up things that don't, don't really match what, my, what I'm looking for and maybe I look at it and say, okay, interesting to to put that into my lexicon,
1: but I, I, I don't really think it's helped me overall. Yeah, and, and I think the internet brought this very unique experience that is um, the, the more, let's say, divided groups, more niche experiences, if you will, which can be amazing. Like, you can find your tribe on Reddit, you can find plenty of forums about like and whatever you want to discuss. That's super good. But at the same time, let, let's say the, the other side of the coin is that um, maybe we, we are not... W- with this, we're saying that we don't need uh, something central, centralizing information, right? And with the modern traditions, we had this hier- hierarchy, you know, this kind of uh, very obvious... Structure of everything, so I think we're dealing with those two um, paradigms, you know. And and of course, there's no way back. I don't think like we need to uh, believe that. Well, even filmmaking. Imagine like how cinema is in a way doomed in the sense that it was, but at the same time, we need to kind of protect not the technology, but we need to protect the ethics of it. Why we we decided to have journalism in the first place and not um go with any information that we find as if it's truth. i think this should be at least discussed you know
0: the the word that's coming to mind that's kind of tying this together is accountability to me so like how how do you hold somebody accountable who's uploaded a video versus was part of the video versus is hosting the video Um, when in the past maybe these acts of violence like a guillotine you kind of know who's accountable exactly but also the executioner has their face masked Um, you know archetype archetypically (laughs) also on the internet the opposite is sensationalized I'm just keep saying sensationalized very very hyper positive things and things about optimizing your brain to be that much smarter or um, you know dogs seeing their owners come home those those types of things Um, I don't even know necessarily what my question is but is that the same thing where we're looking for the
1: extremes for me they are the same thing they're part of the same uh, numbing, you know, uh, process maybe. My mother sometimes acts like that, you know, like, no, I, I don't want to hear about bad things. I just want to watch um, this really silly drama. And yeah, it's, of course, it's a choice. And what I say to her is, well, if you have no idea what's going on, for example, politically, how can you then... Uh, hold someone accountable for you know the problems that we experience. I think it's it's a political dimension, of course. It's like um, in the day to day life, we need to sometimes numb ourselves. We need to enter a you know a cinema theater and just say I want to forget about life. We need those. Um, but if we do that twenty four seven, I mean, then you should be living in a in a chamber, you know, alone, because society is not ideal. Society is not reflective of, you know, a good state of, well, there's crime, there's violence, there, there, there's war. So when I say they, they are part of the same problem, is because not only the algorithms, you know, but um, the entertaining industry, of course, will play, will prey, actually, on that. Of course, is numbers, it's... Um,
0: Nobody says I wanna oh have there's this mediocre show I've been watching recently, you gotta watch it. It's so, <laughs> no, it's but so it's, average. But it's
1: funny that Netflix offers you like uh I don't know, true crime shows, but also reality, dumb reality TV shows. So and, and they're in the same catalog if if you think about it. They're part of the same experience. It's it's not that different to me. Yeah. What about uh distinctly
0: so are there any distinctly positive outcomes of having these representations of violence online?
1: I think like one of the hypotheses that I try to, to examine is exactly the idea of agency. so the fact that a self- representation um, being more being easier to, to be done nowadays because of you know cell phones and all of that can represents yes a, a, um, a break of a norm that was very into um, hierarchies and you know authorities, if you will, that um, are old fashioned so I do think uh, the fact that you can you have access to ways of representing yourself, even if that involves crime because maybe that 's part of a reality that surrounds you, can be act- actually done in a productive way well actually there are in criminology, there are many um, works in this direction. They don't just want to point fingers and say representing violence is bad. Uh, they also want to maybe give someone a camera and and say narrate this, tell your your version of facts. And I think that's the way to go. You know, that's um, that doesn't negate reality and tries to transform in a way that is non-violent. I think. Recognizing violence is maybe the first step, you know, to actually uh, act upon it. So going back to the dumb effect, if we simply ignore it, I mean, I'm not sure how many in the audience have been to a prison, for example. It's an experience that maybe uh, you don't want at all, you, you simply forget about, but, you know, the incarcerated population is alive, is there. They are part of society. So I think this is just one example uh, in which representations can be uh, can mediate this conversation that many of us don't have. You know,
0: that's interesting that you're not when you, if you go visit a prison, you're not just thinking about that act of violence. You're thinking about the consequences and the build up to it as well. And maybe that's. A more healing process because if maybe if we were going to prisons and we were going to play board games and things, I mean, exactly that's my vision of what could eventually get us out of that loop. Maybe, but um, maybe putting more context instead of just that specific event is absolutely
1: context is the word. I think um, we're losing a lot of um, depth in conversation. You know, we're bec- well because social media. If you take TikTok for example. Um, is designed to 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 show you the next video, the next. Uh, even though many of them are look the same, <laughs> but it's, it's about exactly this um, management of time that uh, is never first is never ending, and then the non-being fact comes into it, like uh, almost as if you don't have time to think, but you also. Uh, you're not expected to think because you have like a few seconds to you know digest even if it's a criminal content imagine so now youtube seems like a, a really uh i don't know long video you know it's crazy that's why i feel like for example a podcast experience is retrieving in a way some radio you know like uh, from the very beginning this this idea that conversations are welcome and and so I think there are ways of breaking this kind of, you know, uh, influx. Or, um, but maybe I'm I'm optimistic. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I watch myself
0: watching YouTube videos and listening to things, and I I do them at 1.5 or 2x speed, you know. And so one time I was doing yoga, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really tough yoga class. Like everything's really fast." <laughs> and I realized my YouTube settings were still at 1.5 speed.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: that is, yeah. Um, what if what if we abstract a little? I'm just curious to hear your opinion on something like freedom of speech, which especially in the U.S. is such a big thing right now, where you should be able to say whatever that you want to say. How do you think this translates, or how, what's your perspective there?
1: Yeah. So in Brazil, we we just uh, went through some very important elections now, and uh, what's happening now is uh, a debate that is somehow imported from the U.S. because the far right is playing with the fact that you should be able to say. I don't like um, black people, and I don't agree with that. I think like we should have some li- some limits that Germany, uh, you know, taught us that we shouldn't be condescending to any kind of free speech. So I understand it's a very um, delicate situation when, if you take a step into prohibiting something, you can censor and you can be, in a way, attacking democracy. But I think when we reach some extremes when you're literally uh, attacking the integrity of someone, uh, those boundaries are actually welcome. So um, when it comes to, for example, censoring social media, that's a very specific case in the sense that uh, this private company, even though nowadays they represent, for example, if the president um, says something on, on social media, they're not only using their private social media. That's much more important than, than that, right? But at the same time, the decision is still uh, on on the on, on Twitter's lap in that sense, right? It's, it's up to them. And we shouldn't forget that this mediation is real, It's concrete. There is a board of people deciding what's uh online or and what's not. And now we're seeing Twitter. Uh, getting in shambles and, and all this Elon Musk situation uh, but it's also helpful to to see into those situations and first facebook twitter they're not here forever but maybe their modes of you know um, their economic modes and, and how they shape politics for sure are here to stay because they they show that by exempting them from accountability not only they can profit on on pretty much everything, be it like a far-right speech or whatever, helping refugees, but also they can um, make it, they can turn themselves into uh, the most important way of communicating in our lives. I think that's really powerful. That's not going away, you know? So going back to the free speech, if it's up to them to decide, it's super dangerous territory. I think we should go back to how our institutions, democratic institutions, look into this, debate, and then come into a conclusion, even if it's about to change, you know, in the future. I'm not sure if I escaped your question.
0: <laughs> no. um, I mean, it almost seems like the, the way that we've done it is now we have a single point of failure or a couple points of failure in YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, but... I'm trying to think if somebody here stood up right now and said, I hate you, I hate your podcast, I hate everything you're trying to do, um, how we might handle that. And if you, can, yeah. if you can translate that to the larger scale or if somebody come up, came up and made a racist comment. Mm-hmm. And I think right now the answer is either yes or no, depending on where, which room you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of being able to massage that out a bit and be like, okay, where does that come from? I know that's not a blanket. Stuff. I mean, how do, how do we actually understand where that is and how we can help you understand that maybe that's not actually
1: what you can feel if you experience yeah. a different version of life. That's true. And also, uh, I think there's another dimension that is, like, how you measure the importance of an ordinary opinion. Because what we had before, you know, anyone can stand up, and, and or not stand up, but go to Reddit and create, I don't know, create this outcry about whatever, um, the capital or any opinion about politics, is that, well, maybe we are giving too much importance, you know, to the individual online i think that's that's a possibility i, I don't um, i play with this idea that um, it's kind of um by amplifying too much maybe we're forgetting that um the importance of the the of society's decisions lie not exactly in that individual you know and and their and, and their opinions but in in this um pact for democracy or if it's not democracy we shouldn't be debating right Um, which is well first the vote but not only like any type of uh, decision about you know regulating media should take into account all of this so that's why I go back to the political system I think we're in the this very uh, moment where it's in our face the importance of you know uh, not only voting and I say this as a Brazilian who just voted, but um, understanding more and more why being politicized is not only about like choosing your party. You know, it's um, understanding those dynamics that uh, are decided by the people that represent us. So it wouldn't matter to to say something uh, to to write something as my research. Um, if I didn't have the right to, to write it, right? If we go back to the principle of free speech, for example. But at the same time, um, maybe it only matters because I, because I can't propose something that is different than reality. I think the researcher should point at ways that, uh, I don't know, uh, are more, in my case, nonviolent, for example, right? Um, we'll open up to questions after this. So, so
0: cue as as we're talking for this one. Um, what can we do? What uh, What have you seen to be a positive way of interacting with these tools
1: for 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 us? Uh, with the violent content itself, or more in general, like uh, digitally. Um, yeah, as an
0: as an individual, what? How can I? approach these platforms, approach this conversation in a more intelligent way, more skillful way?
1: Yeah. I think uh, when it comes to the digital spaces, uh, you'll be naive of me to kind of say, uh, deactivate your <laughs> accounts. Because a lot of people say this, you know, as in, go live your life and don't, don't get enslaved by, you know, this, this culture, in a way. I don't think that's the way, necessarily. I think... Uh, getting varied and, you know, different information is key. Uh, I think, like, during the pandemic, that was uh, really interesting that journalism uh, somehow took a stand and, you know, like, uh, in a way, it was revitalized, you know, uh, because we needed to. We needed to um, debate what was going on. And that applies to many other subjects. Uh, Now, uh, are we willing to for example, pay a sub- subscription and um, value uh, journalism. I don't know if everybody is willing to do that. you know So maybe sp- uh, speaking specifically of information, I think that'll be a way of supporting, you know channels, individuals that, um, uh, I don't know, you believe are somehow shaping information, but also transforming society. I think that's uh, a good. Uh, I don't know vision of you know how the digital spaces can can be super useful you know now when it comes to violence I think denouncing is important like we cannot simply become numb to the point that uh, we see something completely awful and then we close our eyes I think we should be active in Denouncing the same way that if you get stolen or, you know, you're a victim of phishing or whatever, you denounce it. Um, And and replicating violence is also something that maybe um, we should think about, like, especially in WhatsApp groups, you know, and um, how sometimes we share stuff that we have no idea where it came from. I think that's very basic, but we do. I mean... um, and also diversify our cultural scope uh, when it comes to violence. So, for example, when we watch films and we engage with violence, um, ask yourself why is that uh, entertaining? Why? Why is that? Why do I like that scene that is so gory? You know, or that is the opposite, maybe romantic? Why do I engage with this? I think becoming critical of culture is really a way of uh, approaching life in a very fascinating way because there's no um, there's not one answer like uh, like I told you uh, the first artifacts about violence um, were exactly about this were about violence, were about spectacle so we are prone to this but at the same time um, we change like you know you watch one film I remember being such a fan of Kill Bill and uh, I was like, wow, you know, a lot of blood. That's beautiful. Nowadays, I watch it. It's not that I don't like it, but I'm like, it's crazy to think that uh, I would think that's a beautiful scene, you know. And But that can happen the other way around. You might, you know, like uh, maybe come to terms with uh, your violent nature because we, we also have this, right? So we have this thirst for, I don't know. Um, something that goes to the extremes and maybe, and this is also, um, a lot of researchers do that, is a way of appeasing, like playing a video game is a way of coming to peace with this nature that wants to, I don't know, run over a prostitute because that's what they do in on GTA and stuff like this. I don't
0: yeah. know. Yeah, under, understand, wow, this is bad. <laughs> like I shouldn't be doing this. Um, it's interesting that you say to engage with it instead of disengage. Like if you're if you're watching a video like this, find either find yourself accidentally or you're looking for something like this on purpose or whatever it is to really understand why you want that as part of your experience um, or what you're learning from it. I think that's that's an interesting point.
1: Yeah, because even for example, we are susceptible to uh, at any point recording uh, something violent, right? You might see something on the streets and, and have the urge to, to to do that. I'm not sure if anybody here did that, but maybe help first, because what we've been seeing is that this first urge to record it with your phone tells a lot about this kind of social, um, I would say, disarray, because uh, the sense of community has... has um, Yes, and... and in a city like Lisbon, you don't know. You might like uh, cross paths with people that you know, but generally, if you see, for example, an accident and you don't know the person, maybe the urge is not to to help exactly because you don't have any connection to that person. And then the urge to to record it is to record it so that you can show other people what you experience. So it's a very individual take on on the city, you know. So I think uh, this also plays onto why do we need to record everything? Why do we need to record the the sunset? I mean, I, I get more and more cynical about this kind of this dimension. Like, because I, I do think it's different than having a photo album. I, I think we got way past this kind of. Oh no, no, no! It's because I'm checking later. No, you aren't. Like, let's let's be honest. Probably you you won't. Check I do like it. the memories that come up a year later. Or something. So I'm like, oh, you're, you're gonna dream about it, mate. But yeah, then what's the line? with Okay, I'm not gonna go. I'm
0: not gonna go Um Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's open up to some audience questions. Hi, thank you. Um, so
3: I grew up in Florida, which is a very rowdy state. It's a lot of crazy things going on there, and a lot of the things you were saying uh, remind me growing up in the 21st century in South Florida, just how much the taste for violent entertainment is GTA or a lot of violent films and a lot of violent music, music containing violence. In, in the US uh, and in other countries too, but from what I know in the US, there is a motive for promoting violent entertainment and isn't in Brazil, I bet it's the same thing. There's a money uh, incentive, uh, especially when a lot of the audience for this is K through 12 students, is kindergarten to high school students, and when you were speaking earlier about censorship, it just seems to me quite naturally that if the government of the country cares about the, the young people, as in other countries, so a lot of them do, they would immediately jump on these entertainers and say, or Twitter or uh, platforms, and reality shows or whatever entertainment, and say, "Hey, cut it out," but not do it in a in a way that is like jeopardizing to having artistic flexibility. What 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 do you th- what do you say to that? I guess
1: that's super interesting because uh, one of the one of my cases uh, actually is focused on TV content because, well, of course, it, it really shaped how um, you know now the cases that I analyze uh, are impacted by what te- television you know um, has been showing in Brazil when it comes to violence. So, for example, um, when it comes to the favelas representations, to to the suburbs. Um, to black people, even in Brazil, what they saw in the telenovelas was never, and I don't want to say accurate. It was nonex- non-existent. The experience of the favelas. This is one thing. What the TV shows, though, was, and and through um, those, um, let's say, true crime shows and all of that, was actually entering the favelas and making it, you know, exciting to to chase crime and all of that. So at the expense of, you know, uh, giving voice to to their experiences that could involve violence, but not necessarily only, right? They were creating some tradition, some visual tradition about the violence in Brazil. This is the TV. When I analyze the TV, it's how um, powerful that is, you know, to create subjectivity. So like you said, um, yes, it's not about jumping into the situation and saying, you, you can't talk about that. But at the same time, it's such a strong tradition that now when people take on their phones, they actually think they only have this to show, you know. They, they actually replicate the cases that I analyze, actually replicate this kind of violent rhetoric of, of the favelas.
3: Another thing when it comes to entertainment that's not also widely spoken about is that just over in Spain next door there's still a lot of bulls being killed. Oh yes. There is this entertainment, this taste for like go get them, like get that bull, kill it or let them loose and all of that. You would think that in the European Union uh, there would be more we got to keep this under control. We can't have bulls being killed, but people people love it. It still happens over there and like the elephant that you spoke about that got electrocuted so it's i think it's a i think to speak quite plainly i think that you need a very strong force to like we're not doing this anymore we're not doing this anymore we're not watching bulls getting killed we're not watching elephants getting electrocuted
1: yeah thank you i agree i agree i i think um in brazil we elected someone that had a completely violent rhetoric like saying that In Brazil, we should kill, like, 30,000 people. He he says something like this, Bolsonaro, right? But he said this in uh, um, TV shows that were, like, supposed to be funny and, you know, like, um, I don't know, whatever. Um, And so we should have acted upon that. We should have, definitely. So because if we had, I mean... He wouldn't be elected he wouldn't have all this attention. That's one dimension of someone that uh capitalized on you know these these absurds uh, absurds that are not uh, censored. The other is um the role of the authorities maybe also what the internet culture brought was doubting any kind of authority so you you get into school and you say well, I I don't believe my teacher, I don't believe my professor, I don't, this constant you know, uh, post-truth feeling of, in life in general, and I think that should be addressed and and should be, um, I don't know um, acknowledged, you know otherwise um, it's really complicated to even um, escape the role of the censor, you know, and the role of um, someone who's Literally blocking you from knowledge, because for that teenager that wants to know more about uh, you know violence, maybe in that moment that's important. That's important to at least somehow uh, paint a reality, right? We're talking about subjectivity here. Nothing is completely um, black or white for anybody, but some things need to be addressed like historically, for example, right and And then factually. So it's, um, thank you for your question. Thanks, anybody else?
2: So my question is more like, a, it's a question and a statement and I would like to know your view on it is that, so I used to think of humanity in a way that we, we kind of, are getting, we're humanizing ourselves in a way that death is not so accepted anymore and watching each other die is not so expected. Like in the past, in middle ages, People were were sick, they died earlier. We burned witches, we watched them, that was uh, entertainment. And now we don't do this, and we actually went really the other extreme, like we are pushing life to such an extreme in a way of, even if you are old and you have a lot of pain, you have to live, right? This is kind of not accepted anymore for our morals. We should not let people just die anymore. But somehow, I mean, this is what in society we tell to ourselves. Or let's say... (laughs) Maybe okay, not on the extremes, but there actually maybe more people. But this is what we the Except. message we are pushing it.
1: The confinements are different. So for example, like if you if you go to to the Jocel Square, there used to be like the place, the prison, right? And from there until um, Praça do Comercio, there, that that's how Inquisition went, you know, that, that's the path that the Inquisition did to exhibit all the, the spectacle. Of death, right? Hanging people, but also people throwing uh, sticks and stones on people. That that was here. Like you can literally find the same places where this happened. What I think is that, um, yeah, this is this is in the past, sure. But let's go back to the prison conversation. We also don't want to get into. Um, any Any uh, details about this now, so maybe it's more sanitized, of course we did a lot of progress. I mean that's expected, right uh, What we didn't do is or maybe what we did too much is uh, fictionalize life, you know like as if, as if as soon as someone gets incarcerated, for example, just to take this example, um, they're being punished fairly. so this is not my conversation to have. Is now part of uh, my life. Which is fictionalized in that sense that is uh, maybe uh, infantilized, you know, like this is what you tell to your kids because they don't need to know now what is going on when it comes to crime and war. But we should be uh, interested in knowing how they're treated or uh, how the war is happening and, and all this discussion. So yes, the confinements are kind of giving way to more democratic situations, but at the same time in Europe right I mean, and it's a much more complex web where we we, we tend to and I know this is cynical, as if um, oh, go elsewhere and you see you know the the true life, but yes, to be honest like uh, um one of Bolsonaro's rhetoric about the favelas, for example, was literally to say that that's that's the place of drug dealers, criminals. That's really dangerous because when we uh, address the social strife in that sense, uh, we get into a territory of well, then the solution is what? End with that space or exterminate, you know, a population. That's that's pretty much what happens in the past in cer- certain situations. That's a far-right rhetoric of sometimes that um, the far-right uses sometimes with uh, migration. So uh, it has an impact, you know, when we simply don't want to hear about that subject. Well, then other people will address it for sure, and in a very simplistic way.
2: And I have a last question related to this: that what, why do you think deep down humanity has this? curiosity of the violent nature of us because I feel like, like I, I kind of I think I can articulate I'm obsessed with horror films and I know that when I leave the cinema after a horror film I feel extremely alive I feel all the parts in my body the adrenaline rush of oh my, I, I never feel so alive but it's crazy why do I have to see so much violence and death and all these dark things to feel so alive and what do you think about the origin of this?
1: Uh, yeah, very interesting. I think like the storytelling as as an experience, right, is of course uh, in uh, I don't know in that of this idea of conflict. Conflict is something very humane in that sense because we 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 make up our world not being peaceful. Like uh, so, I wake up thinking that I need to deliver my thesis. That's a conflict, <laughs> you know. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but it also can be, how can I survive this day? So when I was running away from the criminals in my episode of violence, I felt this adrenaline. I'm going to say, like, I was running for life. I'm not going to compare it to when I watch a film. But it's, is it something we need? Well, it might be in our genes this kind of survival instinct, you know. But what film did, what the TV did, is is actually articulate some kind of more um, approachable way to to violence that, okay, you know that after this framing, you know, those two hours, you're safe. Are you? That's the thing. If you simplify too much what violence is, even fictionally, you might be leaving people, I don't know, uh, more ignorant, you know?
0: Great. Thank you so much, Eduardo. Last question, in, in what situation would somebody
1: call you? Now, if, if, you, <laughs> if you witness uh, an accident, now you're probably going to remember this talk, right? So, yeah. if Think about your urge to record something, and then you can call me, and we, we can talk. Call the police first. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: great, thank you so much. Thanks.